0: Less stress,
1: more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor Deep Dive.
0: What's up, Cash Flow Contractors? Cool here. Excited for uh, you to listen to this episode. This was a requested episode from Weston Peters. Shout out Weston. Uh, and it's really about understanding the finances of your business and what you should be focusing on as indicators. Uh, We don't really go too in-depth on very specific indicators. I think we've got about three through this episode, but Really, you're gonna understand the cycle of business better by listening to this episode If you feel like it's elementary Keep listening because we try to get it to such a foundational level that it just changes your perspective on how you focus on the Finances of your business. We hope you enjoy and take a listen. Martin. What year did you get your MBA?
1: 1995
0: so, are you going to be receiving any uh, any student loan relief for that?
1: <laughs> no, but I'm going to pay pay tw- how many am I paying? Got two kids that I didn't pay them all, but we paid. I got three kids. We we paid.
0: And you're not going to get any relief on those, are you?
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure they're. I'm just waiting until it's announced. I'll get a check back. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I maybe yeah. shouldn't have asked this. I figured you might get. Uh, Triggered? Is that the word?
1: Nope. Don't, I don't get triggered. <laughs> not not going to do that. Life is what it is, and I can't do anything about
0: it. No, that's, that's fine. I think uh, in the spirit of finance, I thought I'd ask that question, but we're going to be talking about some financial metrics that some right. business owners need to be aware of, uh, and we're going to try to distill it into really simple forms. You might find it, You may find it elementary, but I think you'll find value no matter what, and clarity is what we're after here not necessarily some groundbreaking um, metric that you didn't know about that you're gonna track. It's more just really clear information uh, that you can be looking at regularly. And we wanna really start with the problem of what most small business owners are facing and most contractors see on a daily basis. I can't tell you how many times you or myself or a client are talking about this, but what are roller coaster profits? How can you explain that to people?
1: I bet I don't even have to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> people who look at their profit and loss statements, where you yeah. compare income to expenses and see if you made a profit, if our listeners look at them, most will have seen roller coaster profits. <laughs> So I look one day and I'm up hundred thousand dollars last month, and I look, I go, wow, I feel pretty good. Yeah. And you look next month and you're down seventy five thousand. I don't mean down to twenty five. I mean minus seventy five. Right. And then the next time you look, you're up sixty thousand, and then you're down to thirty thousand of profit. What the heck's going on? Yeah. So roller coaster profits are a function of not keeping books properly. Yeah. And everybody will understand that. Uh, mm. You go out and do a job or you win a bid, you go out and do a job, and this month, maybe it's a two month, maybe it's a one month job. So you, do, you, you incur all the materials, costs, you pay your guys, you pay commissions, whatever it is. So you have that cost this month, and you do a profit and loss, and you show a big loss. The next month, you don't have a job, and you invoice for the first job. Now you got a big profit. Okay, that's just with one job. But if you've got all kinds of jobs going on at all different stages of, I've done the work but I haven't built, I bought the material but I haven't built, or I've built but I didn't have to buy any. It's just an infinite number of combinations yeah. that profit goes up and down. So much so that many of the clients I've had in the past and a lot of people i talk to say, well, I, don't, I don't use my books. No, they, I, I haven't got a clue what that means.
0: They they default because it's so confusing and seems so unreliable right. because it's not current, because they're not tracking it. It's just inconsistent. Right. They default to bank balance management. Right. Just look at their bank statements, seeing if there's cash yeah, in there.
1: You open up your phone and you look and, and uh, sometimes there's less cash there than you thought. Sometimes you're a little bit surprised. Maybe a retainage came in from a job from eight months ago. Uh, maybe somebody paid their bill and you haven't paid your payroll yet. And you're looking, oh, i got 300000 in my bank or $300 million, depending on the size of your company. Well, you feel pretty good about that, so you go out and buy some stuff. Yeah. Big mistake. Big mistake. Because you didn't pay the credit card, didn't pay the payroll, didn't pay the supplier who's got you on credit hold. And, oh, God, I wish I hadn't done that, right? <laughs> so, yeah, bank balance management is not management.
0: Not at all, um, and you're just relying on everything that's in your head, and that's really not going to serve you well. For the rest of this episode, we're going to be talking about, or just assuming, I guess, the, through the conversation that you have good books, and we'll talk at the end the signs of good books and bad books. But for the for the majority of this episode, we're going to assume that you have perfect books and that's going to allow you to understand what you can be tracking with your books and then at the end if you want to know what you need to be looking for to make sure that you have good books we'll we'll go through some of those signs as well so uh let's talk about the cycle of business and i think this is just a really clear form uh or outline of what business does and i think a lot of times we we forget this as business owners we get so stuck in operations or we get stuck in you know managing our people or getting the job done uh that we forget about the overall general purpose and structure of what business is
1: so i like to call it the objective purpose of business yeah the subjective purposes of business can be as many and varied as there are people who start businesses you can do it because you want to show that girl that wouldn't go out with you that you're a big success or you do it because you want to help people or because your family have always been entrepreneur whatever right So there's many subjective reasons to be in business uh, as there are people. I've maintained there's only one objective reason to be in business, and it's to convert cash into more cash. So the cycle of business uh, starts when you start a business, you need cash. Right. you, You have to buy stuff. And there are two ways to get it. You can borrow the money, which is debt. Or somebody can invest the money in exchange for ownership, which is equity, right? So that's the two ways money can start out when you start a business. And that
0: can be you or an investor. You You can put your own money,
1: in-laws, or or whoever. But uh, you have to come up with some cash. Use that cash to buy assets. Assets are things that you own. It can be trucks, computers, office furniture, some inventory to get started, some tools. But you have to buy some assets so you can begin in business. Use those assets to generate sales, right? You use sales to generate margins, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Use margins to first pay overhead expense. Once all the overhead expenses paid, margins begin to accumulate as profit. And that's where a lot of people end. <laughs> but that's not it. You can absolutely starve making a huge profit yeah. if you don't get paid. Yep. So... The final step is more cash and I say more because it's more than you started with because you made a profit Right. You then use that more cash to go back and buy more assets to keep the cycle going Or or to go back and pay off the debt or pay a return to the owners, right? So that's the cycle of business and the reason I like to bring it up when I talk before groups I, I ask them. Why would I bring this up? Well, I don't know everybody knows that may have not have thought about it, but they know that right and that's because they concentrate on sales.
0: They're so focused on said,
1: sales. Absolutely. I, I, am it's a little hyperbole because I'm just making a point. I could not care less about sales. I had a, a home builder a number of years ago and complaining that housing was slow. And I said, I'll sell every house you've got in six months. If you give me permission to do it. He goes, really? And I go, yeah said you're not going to like the price. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it isn't sales. It's sales that bring margins and the margins have to be sufficient to pay your overhead expenses and then they they have to go on beyond that because break even, the idea of just paying all your expenses is not why we're in business. You have to make a profit. Yeah. Right? And then you have to convert that profit to cash. So that's the whole cycle of business.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it is so elementary, right? People are probably listening like, duh. But are you truly operating that way inside of your business? Right. That's what you have to ask yourself. Am I following the cycle of business or am I stopping at a certain point? And if you're stopping at a certain point, you're likely wasting money. There was a tweet I saw that you would like. The, this uh, investor said, after, after reading thousands of financial statements, I'm convinced that several people are running accidental nonprofits. <laughs> <And> several? <laughs> no, several thousands. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, millions? Yeah, yeah <laughs> millions. I mean, just you're pro- if you're not doing the full cycle, you're probably right. running a nonprofit, more right. or less, right? And that's not the goal of business.
1: Well, I, I do want that point to stick. Sales is not. If you talk to small business owners, they seem to be, oftentimes, I always say, preoccupied with profit and sales and really they're more preoccupied with sales than they are profit. Yeah. Right. They, they just are. And I think that's because sales are difficult and people don't like it. And you, other people, uh, can say yes or no, you're not the one writing the check, you're the one asking for it. But sales are absolutely, they're, they're less than meaningless. They're damaging Yeah. if you do it wrong. Uh, one of my clients said, I can go broke on the beach. And I said, yeah, why go sell a million dollars worth of work? do it, lose $200,000, just go sit on the beach, right? <laughs> yeah. you're in the sand. A lot less stress. Hand, and lo- no stress, and you're $200,000 ahead because you, you just broke even, right? Yeah. So paying attention to that um, kind of leads to uh, one of the metrics that we have. And the thing about sales is they have to carry with them margins.
0: Yeah. Let's dive into margins a little bit. We've got three things that we're going to focus on here, three areas that people can focus on around cash, right? It's margins, profit, cash. Right. So let's, let's dive into margins. What are the things that we see people doing wrong? Typically is what is the, the common method that you see contractors doing? They look at their labor and materials and then they double the, yeah. the, the cost and assume that they've got good margins. Right. Well,
1: if they did that, they do. They got 50% margin. Yeah. No, typically, and we don't really have to go into this, but they'll mark things up. Yeah. In other words, um, I'll take my labor and material estimate, and then I'll add, I'll take it times, add 40% to it. Yeah. And you think I got a 40% margin. Well, you don't. You have a 28% margin. Right. And buy my book. I explain why that is. <laughs> or read one of my articles. But anyway, they don't. Bid with intent, yeah. right? Um, let's first explain what margins are. Okay, go ahead. Margins are, if you're looking, we're going to assume you have good financial statements. Margins are gross profit on your financial state, statement expressed as a percentage, right? So if you have QuickBooks, you click a button, everything's a percentage of sales. So if you have a dollar worth of sales and you it cost you 50 cents in labor and materials to produce that your gross profit will be 50 cents which would be pretty good so listeners i'm all for that (laughs) Uh, that's what a gross profit margin is the other expenses you have in your business like your office rent your insurance your administrative salaries your software costs those are fixed costs and the distinction is fixed costs are overhead are are costs that you have every month whether you sell anything or not yeah, right. So every month they reset, and you got to pay those bills. Variable cost or cost of goods sold, uh, the labor and material in our example, are costs that you have if you make sales and you don't have if you don't make sales. And if you double sales, they double. Right. If you triple sales, they triple. But your fixed cost the whole time stays to the insane. same. And listen, guys. I know that if you triple sales, your overhead is going to go up because you're going to have to have another computer, another person. But for our discussion, fixed costs, overheads, stay the same, margins um, or variable costs go up in proportion to your sales. Right. Okay? So when you make a dollar's worth of sales, if you have a 50% margin, the way to think isn't, oh, I just made a dollar. The way to think is, I just made 50 cents right that's your share of the sales dollar and you use it first to pay your overhead and then after all your overhead is paid and not until then you begin to accumulate profit so if I set, if I have a 50% margin and I pay all my overhead I have enough sales to pay all my overhead and I sell one dollar more how much have I made clue 50 cents 50 cents two dollars I made a dollar right right one dollar less I've lost 50 cents, that's the way it works. So people have been interested in what numbers are useful to track. And I call that the most important number in business operations, margins, right? And you use those margins to find break even. So if you have 50 cent margins, 50% margins, and you've got $100 worth of overhead, You have to sell $200 worth of stuff to break even. That generates $100 worth of gross profit, which is enough to pay your overhead. I've always kind of dreaded doing this just verbally without having paid Yeah, because you don't have visuals. It's hard hard to track, but but the number one thing to follow is your margins. Yeah. Uh, Because it tells you what your break even is, it tells you what you have to do. You have to do to break even, and then you add something on that for a target profit, it tells you how much you must sell in order to make a profit. Right? Right. So margins are the most important thing in business operations to track, not diminishing cash and those things, but operations.
0: And there's things that impact it as a contractor that you should be aware of, and the primary ones are gonna be labor and materials. Uh, Things that you've talked about in previous episodes are with builders, for example, if you can just focus on how long it takes you to build the house. right? that will dictate that's one of the most important things that you can be tracking is how long from breaking ground to completion
1: well you're you're bringing up a great point Um, but jumping back just a little bit i have a contractor that i was having this discussion with last week we got his margins up in his in his business he's bidding with 40 percent margins. so he sells a dollar he gets 40 cents right right in his bids (laughs) And that forty cents is going to pay his overhead and all this kind of stuff. But when we actually put it in his books, now he's way better now. But for the first half of the year, oh, I bid that with forty cent margin or forty percent margin. In his books, it was sixteen (laughs) percent. Okay, what happened? And now you're exactly back to your point. Yeah. When when you have good books, and this is one way you use margins, you say, why is it that I bid? to get a 40% margin, but when everything's said and done, I'm getting 16. And that is management. That's where you go back and say, well, I either spent too much on materials, or the labor, and a lot of times it is labor, the labor overran, or another thing that you mentioned before we got on, I made concessions, Yes, right? You're standing out there, and a pool builder, for example, the gas line's running right through there. Customer says, well, you said turnkey. Well, I didn't say I was gonna move your gas line. Well, you said, well, okay, so there's four grand out of it. Exactly. Right? All of a sudden, boom, margin went down by yeah a bunch.
0: And I mean, the smarter bidders out there are including some of these things like, you know, there might be weather delays, there might be issues with material uh, orders where I still have to pay my guys, but I don't have the materials to do the job. You know, things like that you've got to keep in mind when you're bidding if you're truly going to keep your margins. Otherwise, you will have these concessions that will lower your margins. Right and mess up your financials well it really
1: it really points to management i had an accountant i work with um who one time said i understand all this but i don't know what to tell them how what to do (laughs) yeah i'm just an accountant and i said well i oftentimes don't know what to tell them what to do but they always know yeah what time do your guys leave in the morning they out the door ais at seven o'clock or they in the door punched in till seven thirty drinking coffee, then take off to the job, then drive back because they forgot the skid loader, or go to the I mean you start realizing where's my money going, you say that's where it's going, and now you have something as a business owner, contractor, manufacturer that you can fix. Yep. Right? Something specific. We're not doing that. AIS guy, you know AIS. Yep. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. (laughs) SNC. AIS at seven o'clock.
0: Yeah. Right? Uh, There's good examples of this. One, we need to, we mention this book all the time, but understanding lean principles will help you to find the waste for where this time is going, for where the energy is being spent, for where materials are, are being wasted. But Two Second Lean by Paul Akers is a really simple read. You can read it in an hour, honestly. Uh, and you can listen to the audiobook for free, I believe, but anyways, that is a really good thing for helping you identify where the waste is happening and where you're losing your margins. A good example of this. We talked to Will Blake in one of our first episodes, and he realized that the first his employees would arrive at seven and the first place they went to on the way to the job was the convenience store. Every single truck. And they'd spend 30 minutes there gassing up. They'd, yeah. they'd, they'd make sure that they were getting their snacks for the day. And, oh, yeah, they'd actually go for lunch. On the way back from lunch, they'd also stop by the convenience store for energy drink, whatever it might be. Well, he cut that out by putting the convenience store in the shop.
1: Right. He so went to Sam's. Stuff
0: right he there. literally bought vending machines to put yeah. in there and really and discounted he's got
1: them. about 16 guys, too. So uh, that's 32 hours a day. Oh, yeah, way,
0: way more than that now. You know, he's in. No,
1: I got that background. 16 hours a day, two half-hour stops.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he, but he's got 50, but 70 huge, employees.
1: And, and it's not just the money you spend on the guys. It's the job you didn't quite get done today, so you got to go back tomorrow so you don't start the next job till the day after, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's the importance of understanding your margins, what you intended them to be, what they actually are. Right. Good books, tracking what your margins actually are, and then saying, why are they different? Yeah. And once you start looking at that, if you can't find something, give me a call. <laughs> we will, And you can. Yeah. You will find it.
0: And we mentioned labor as one of the big things here. You may find that, and we have, a, we have mutual clients that have done this, where they were employing people, W-2, but in reality, they need to be 1099. And once you change them to 1099, yeah. you it yeah. everything kind of sorts itself out a little bit. Well, it was...
1: Funny. Uh, he actually wasn't 1099. He became an LLC and started his own company. Sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, it was amazing. We had go-backs, broken material, people forgetting stuff, coming back, going to the wrong address. Put Set this guy up in his own business, gave him a piece rate, and he he's doubled his capacity and things don't break. Yeah, yeah. Because he's on his own, so he's that's on his own. something to think and about. And
0: for you as a business owner, that changes it from an overhead expense to now variable a variable cost, cost which is fantastic. Good catch. Right? Right. And so that, those are some things that you can be tracking inside of your margins to make sure you're doing things right. And yeah. I think I think every contractor should have a concessions number that they track. Hey, how many concessions do we make this quarter or this year?
1: We're just tra- we we been financial indicators. I think the most important one, the one that everybody looks at first is sales, mm-hmm. and then maybe they jump down to the bottom line. But the most important number in business operations, in my mind, is mortgage. there are many, many more ways to use it than we'll talk about today, but is what is your gross profit margin? Yeah. And that's where you look. The, I don't think we talked about this yet, but the first thing you do with a gross profit margin, is look at what your breakeven is.
0: Okay. Yeah, now we're getting into profit, which is the point.
1: Well, before, yeah, at what point you begin to make well, profit. We, yeah,
0: we're, getting, we're heading that way. Net profit,
1: yeah. bottom line profit. So if, if you have recurring expenses, your rent, your salaries, and all this stuff, $100,000 a month, and you have a 50% margin, you got to sell 200000 a month to break, break even. even. I hope that's clear. Yeah. Because 50 cents out of your 200,000 of each of those dollars is yours. The other goes to pay the variable costs, the materials and the labor that you wouldn't have had if you didn't make the sale. Right. So you have to know what your break even is. And there's some other things you can do. You can look at if you have to sell $3 million a month at your margins to pay your overhead. And you've got two trucks, four guys and one skid steer. You're probably not going to be able to do it. You're going to have to get higher margins. Right. Right. So. Break-even is the second thing you have to know. You have to know your margin, and you have to know how much you have to sell at that margin to break even. Right. You have to know that. You you should. If somebody walks in your office and says, "What are your margins?" You should be able to tell them. Yeah. And you can say my intended margins because <laughs> when I look, maybe that's not the case, but you have to know what that is. It, every decision you want to make. If you're buying a machine you divide it by the margin it tells you how much you have to sell to pay for, for the machine things like that yeah so so once you've got your margins and you know what your sales are and you're paying your overhead and you are even selling more than that so you're making a profit Yep. kind of the next question I know we talked about it in advance is yeah,
0: you are tar- having a target profit
1: yeah having a target profit so if you got a hundred thousand of overhead and you want to make a $100,000 profit a month, (laughs) you got to generate $200,000 worth of gross profit, which means you got to sell $400,000 worth of stuff. Right. Right? Yeah. So now you have a target. This is what I have to do at that margin. And then you can go out and do it. You're bidding with intent rather than bidding just to get the job or just to keep the guys busy or to collect the deposit check so that you can pay for the last job. You have an intention that gives you at least a chance of making money.
0: I think it's so important for people to realize that it's a target profit and not target sales because that's what they do. We've, I mean, that's essentially what we've been talking about. That, but when you're when you have a target sales, that's what leads you to do things like discount. Yeah, because you're trying to get the sale in.
1: It's like the home guy. I'll sell all your houses. (laughs) You're gonna lose, you know, three hundred thousand dollars a house because I don't care.
0: And the discount calculator is something that we have that helps with this and helps you to really visualize like, wow, if I discount this much, now my profit margin's so low that I've got to sell this much more to make the same amount of gross profit. Um, And on the contrary, like if you're if you have a target profit that you're actually looking at and truly seeing it as a target profit. Now you're doing things like increasing prices uh, and reducing expenses. uh, And that's where you really want to be operating efficiently. Uh, rather than making concessions and stuff, I think that's a good example that we
1: ought to just throw in there. You mentioned uh, discount. I've got a table. We've got a calculator. We've got a table on my website too. But the one I remember is for a 35 percent margin. Yeah. If you have a 35 percent gross profit margin, which is pretty, pretty much in the market. Sure. Should be <laughs> target. If you have a 35 percent gross profit margin, and you discount 20 percent which is not that big. I mean, that is...
0: It's a big discount, but it's... It's a an, big
1: discount, but people do it. Yeah. You have to sell 133% more. In other words, you have to do two times the work plus a third more to stay the same. Yeah. So, to use my tables, you have to know what your gross profit margin is. You yeah. can otherwise you're just guessing.
0: Right? You're just guessing, So. yeah. So, we... Anything more that you can give on break-even and the power of breaking, what it really allows you to do and why that's something you should be tracking regularly?
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to mention my book. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, the profit problem, they say I have money, so why don't I have any? Got, I don't know how many, 40, 50 examples have been there of yeah. how you use margins to make decisions. Yeah. And it's a lot to go into right now. Yeah. Without having paper or something. Visuals, Visuals and stuff like that. At. But, but I, I think the, the next thing that we have to consider is, well, the profit name of my book, The Profit Problem, they say I make money, so why don't I have any? So you've you got your margins, you've figured out your targets, you're hitting your sales and you're making a profit, but you don't have any money. Any cash. You don't have any cash, yeah.
0: right. You look at your bank and you're like, where did it go?
1: Yeah, where is it? And it's important to make the distinction that, I'm holding thumb to thumb, <laughs> that profit and cash are related I mean, they influence one another, but they're far from the same thing, Yeah, right? And why is it that you could make a profit, let's say you had $100,000 at the beginning of the year, you make $100,000 profit, and you look in your bank and you got $10,000. What the hell happened? Where is it? Okay. That is what you should always know about your business. Tracking cash is a little bit harder. People do it intuitively. They drive around, they look at their bank balance, and they think about their receivables. They go, Billy Bob owes me 30 on this, and then Johnson's owe me. And they, and then they think, oh yeah, and I gotta pay my suppliers 10,000. Anyway, they're doing this mental math all the time. right? But they forget the payroll tax deposit. They forget, oh yeah, I'm pay-. you can't do it. If you're one guy and you have one job, maybe you can, but you can't do it. So how is it? That you can make a profit but not have any money. And there are three reasons for that. One, you haven't been paid yet. That's the last step in our business cycle. I made a big old profit, but it's all accounts receivables. Right? Yeah. So that's the number one reason. I've made a profit.
0: You yeah, have been paid But yet. I
1: haven't been paid yet. The second reason is you've already spent the money on non expense items, either paying back debt or buying uh, assets. And, Usually things like inventory. Right. So I made a profit, but I already spent it. And the third reason is you took it, mm-hmm. and by that I mean as a draw. As a draw. Right. So though if if you make money but you don't have any, it's going to be due to one of those three reasons: accounts receivable, you haven't been paid yet. You bought a bunch of stuff, or you already maybe I should call it four reasons. You bought a bunch of stuff. You paid back debt. All debt is in advance of profit and you pay it back out of profit. Right. Or you took it as draws. And usually, if people take a salary in their business, what I find is they don't know how much they took as draws. Right. I got stories. I'm not going to take much <laughs> time. But they don't know. And if you go look, you're quite shocked. But if you make money and you don't have any, you have to look to one of those four reasons. And once you've done that, you can address it. Um, You haven't been paid yet, right? Yeah. Well, everybody has accounts, probably there's some blessed person who doesn't, but most people have accounts receivable. What can you do? Uh, There's a metric called day sales outstanding that you can measure how long your average debt takes to collect. If you give them 30 days, which you shouldn't give them collect when you're at the job but yeah, anyway you give them 10 days yeah but you give them 30 but when we actually look it's one of those deals again you it's there's a, a way any. to do this in your books you go in your books you go it's 45 days 60 days is what it really is well that's what you need to do as a business owner and a manager is get on that yeah I don't want to make that call and make them think I'm bull crap right call them drive over there get the, well my wife has the checkbook well where's your wife? She <laughs> so hit Walmart. I'm going to run over there. Right? Yeah. Whatever it is, get your collections done. Once you've identified the problem, you can do something about We've
0: it. We've got a great episode on that with uh, Jan Reeves. Is that right? Yeah. Um, what was the name of her book, Martin? Uh, get Paid. Get Paid. Yeah. And it's like, how many, it's a, dozens of different ways that yeah. you can go well, and get paid. Well, the first
1: one is prompt billing. <laughs> Number one. Number one. You finish one. the job, bill it today, but it's 430. I don't care. It's 830. Bill it today. And because that's where the as a running.
0: as a business operator sometimes you can get so focused like if you're focused on sales a lot of times you're focusing on the wrong thing that's not actually going to get you your cash right? And if you're aware that of your days outstanding it makes it so clear for you what your go-to thing is today. You
1: have to it tells it, you what you have to do.
0: And I can't tell you how many times you're waiting on the urgent to tell you what to do. Right. You're wait, as a business owner you're waiting on a fire to spring up so that you can put it out. And that determines what your to-do list is for the day. And these are the things that you should be focusing on as the operator, yeah, that's not... the
1: tyranny of the urgent. Yeah, right? absolutely. Well, that that's that's one thing. So you haven't been paid yet. So what do you have to do to speed up collections? Right. And the first thing is be determined to do it. Okay? <laughs> Second thing is you bought assets. And in contractors, a lot of times, you need equipment and so on, but that asset winds up being inventory. Right, you don't call it inventory because as soon as you buy it, you charge it to the job. Right, but one of the electrical contractors we had on long many episodes ago, when I first met him, I said, Do you have any inventory? He said, No. I looked on his books and there was no inventory. Then we stepped out into his 8,000 square foot warehouse and it was floor to ceiling with inventory with wire. And uh, that was
0: Michael Barnett with another episode. Sorry, Lauren. I know you're making the show notes here, and we're referencing books and show notes right. and shows that we've done. He's, yeah, but, he's
1: great. He's totally turned that around. We'll get to that. But, yeah. But the point is, people buy assets, you know, buy inventory because well, make sure we got a few extra. There's no planning there. He, he probably had well over approaching two hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory sitting in his shop, getting driven over by forklifts yep. and repurchased because it was under a box and nobody knew they had it. And light fixtures that were special and we'll never use those again. Just stuff. So there's another place. If you make money but don't have it, accounts receivable, go start looking at your assets that you're buying, inventory. Another place people buy assets that's the stupidest thing in the world is they buy things they don't need between Christmas and New Year's to save on taxes.
0: You mean that jet ski is not a business
1: purchase? Well, now you, you do need a jet ski. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about that. But buy a sign, buy a truck. Well, you buy buying a truck because you need it or you're buying a truck because you want it. Yeah. And, well, I'm buying because I get to write the whole thing off and it'll save me 25000 in taxes. Well, we won't go into all the accounting, but when you sell it next year, you're going to re- recapture that. Yeah. And depreciation, pay taxes on it then. But well, So just don't do stupid stuff, right? Yeah. And the last one is, uh, well... There are lots of other instances where people spend cash, don't buy buy an asset. Well, it's repaying the debt. So if you borrowed a million dollars, your debt service that you're paying every month comes out of your profit. It's a decision you made before, so you got to live with it. But that's where your money's gone. Then the last one is you took it as draws. And I think I already said this, but most people I work with don't have a clue how much they drew. You know, it's credit card charges that you ran a company card, and because you're honest, you didn't try to expense it, but you kept, you just, oh, it's a company card, this hotel, but it's going to be a draw. Or you wrote a $1,000 check for the weekend or whatever it is. Uh, it's a little bit hard to find. Yeah, it, It's there, how much you took this year. You can find it on the balance sheet, and it's under, uh, well, they use different names, but owner contribution or owner's draws. And then the, everything you've drawn since you started your company's in there, so you have to find what you took this year. There's another place to look, and it's called the Statement of Cash Flows, um, which maybe we should talk about a little bit here. But, yeah. And it tells you exactly, exactly how much you took out. Yeah. So if you're suffering cash, um, that's where you got to look. Uh, one one other thing we talked about uh, day sales outstanding how long you're
0: yes that's i was going to bring up yeah
1: the inventory yeah yeah you can also do a measurement of your inventory called inventory turns Mm -hmm. and if you buy a year's worth of inventory and use it up over the year you've got all that money tied up for a year and that would be one inventory turn right you turned it once how about if you bought half a year's inventory and replaced it right so you will have turned your inventory twice twice. in a year. Well, you can get inventory turns 10, 11, 12, which means that you're very efficient in buying what you need when you need it. And there are just many benefits to that. First of all, it doesn't become obsolete like those lighting fixtures. You don't poke a hole in it with the forklift, and you don't have $400,000 tied up in stuff sitting in the back of the office. Oh, and right? then there's a leak in the roof and it gets yeah, damaged. It gets yeah,
0: yeah. Or guys are skimming it off the top and putting right, it in there. A lot their... of that stuff walks away. Yep, exactly. Not your
1: guys, though, but other people's guys.
0: <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Now, I, I think uh, a- another thing that we do need to mention that people ran into with these inventory turns, though, not, I mean, I, I'm talking about the really efficient people that were doing turns weekly and stuff like that, is they run into supply chain issues and then they don't have the inventory There's, to do the job. And that's an issue, but that's, that's I think, what people would use to make an excuse where now I'm going to go, oh, well, I'm getting it at a, such a discount if I buy two years' worth.
1: And maybe, maybe, Yeah. if you got, I mean, none of this stuff, everything requires judgment. Yeah. But you have to consider these things in your judgment. If somebody gives you something for one-third the cost because, for whatever reason, yeah, you know, they're switching models and, and you have a real likelihood of using it, that 67% extra increases your margins and it pays for it. But know that that's what you did. I had a client, I was thinking about him the other day, they're out of business. Another client came to me, now they're out of business. (laughs) At least they're, uh, as I said before, their suffering's over.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you put them out of their misery.
1: (laughs) This guy, his wife totally gets it. He totally didn't. Matter of fact, it, it even almost made me mad. He had a deal where he could buy something worth several millions that he could buy for a million that was going to cost him eight, $9,000 a month. He could not afford it. No way. Yeah. No way. He did it anyway. And they're gone. So that's too good a deal to pass up. I go, no. There are things, <laughs> there are always more good deals, not just deals, good deals out there than you have the any possibility yeah. of accepting. Because there they, just are. You have limits. So there's always judgment. Yeah. And if you have the cash, maybe you go to the bank in advance and say, I'm getting this extra margin. I want you to fund this inventory. Mm-hmm. Then you do it, but you don't just snap decision and off goes all your money. And then you realize, ooh, there's a reason. I mean, so so me many
0: so much of cheap. the things that we've brought up here and that you've brought up, uh, you know, from you know running the company card to buy you know things that are really a draw, not company expense. Uh, you know, buying that last minute purchase at the end of the year to save for taxes. Um, buying inventory because it's such a good deal or just the one that you just mentioned as well. There's a skill that is probably underserved in entrepreneurs and in contractors that you have to practice delayed gratification. That if you're you're unwilling to delay your gratification... And you can have systems in place where it's, hey, if, a, if a, there's an expense above this, I have to get it approved by my accountant and by my wife if you're doing a family business or my business coach or whoever it is before I can go and do it. You know, you can set systems in place to set you up for, for success, but ultimately you have to practice delayed gratification or else that's, it's going to mess you up.
1: And I'm trying to think what book it was, and I think it's Michalowicz, where he said, delayed gratification, he said, I really need that piece of equipment, but I'm not going to buy it today. Yeah. And then I'm not going to buy it this month. Yeah. And go to the next month. Yeah, I really need it, but I'm not going to buy it today. And after a period of time, you go, no, I really need it. Then go get it. Right. Yeah. If if but make sure the math works. Make sure the it's math works. Make your margins bigger. You can afford to.
0: But I know there's so many people listening right now that have had that feeling. I really need that, and they buy it, and then they actually didn't need it. Right. And so if you can delay that for a week, for a month, this is personal and professional, business and in your personal life. If you can delay it for a week, for a month, your preferences might change, your view, your perspective might change, and you actually don't need it.
1: I have to tell you a story about. It. Contractor I know from way back. Great guy. Makes a lot of money. Just just really, really good. His problem is he's stressed for time because but anyway, he had said since he was a child, he had wanted a Corvette.
0: Oh yeah. And I know he you're had, talking about.
1: had the poster and all that kind of stuff. And anyway, I said, Well, looking at his financial statement, I said, Go get one. <laughs> no. He said, if I get one, you know, when you actually finally get it, it's not really as cool as you thought. You know, so <laughs> you put it off, you put it off, put it off. I don't coach him anymore, but I saw him in a charity function a year ago. And I said, you get that Corvette? And he goes, damn right I did. <laughs> and I said, well, was it was it disappointing? And he goes, oh, no. <laughs> but he postponed that for realistically decades. Years. Yeah, decades. Yeah. It's and, great. of course, the cost went up. I don't know what Corbett's cost. Yeah, they're they're, they're expensive now.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, we've talked about cash. We've talked about statement of cash flows briefly. It's, I mean, we have a full episode on this. Sorry again, Lauren. Another show that you can reference in the show notes. We did one episode on each of the f- three financial statements, uh, the balance sheet, statement of cash flows, and the right. profit and loss statement. Those go in more detail. Again, I probably think that the better uh, reference guide for this is Martin's book, The Profit Problem. Just because you will see the visuals really clearly, and
1: you have a reference, you when an exact situation comes up, can I afford a salesman? Can I afford that machine? You know, what would it take for me to double my profit? You can go look it up. Yeah, you don't have to remember it exactly. Exactly, but you do have to know your margins.
0: You do, and that's what I want to get to here at the end is being able to know your margins. You need good books. What are the signs of bad books? We've talked about some of them here and there, but let's make, like outline it really clearly for people.
1: Even if you have a qualified bookkeeper or CPA keeping your books, it's likely, and I say that because I've seen so many, that they're not very useful, okay? Doesn't mean they're not, you know, all the income's there and all the expenses there and that's the profit you made, but they're not useful, and there are a couple of reasons for that. Three, I think of. One, they have to be current. In other words, if you're going to manage, you've got to know what happened last month by the 15th of this month. You can't wait till tax time next April, which is really next September, to find out if you made money last month. You can't do it. So they have to be current. Somebody has to do that. And I guarantee you it's not you.
0: Yeah, it, it shouldn't be.
1: And if, if you can't afford a qualified bookkeeper, get a rental bookkeeper and set up processes so you can do it. But they have to be kept current. The second thing is matching problems. Even really good bookkeepers and accountants don't often match, and this reason is it's hard to do. What I mean by matching is back to that roller coaster stuff. You get a deposit from a customer and you put it in sales. Well, that actually doesn't belong here because it's not your money, but that's where it goes. Ooh, made thirty thousand dollars. Then two months. You know, next month you do the le- the work and you do $70,000 work, Who 40. Then the next month you invoice yeah. and you get in your back. Anyway, it's all over the place. Matching is the process of uh, matching expenses and income in the period in which they're both c- occurred, right? Right. So it's hard to do. Yeah. And you're not gonna do it, right? No. It's hard to do. The, o- the other one that happens all the time is inventory, but it's also a matching problem. You buy a bunch of inventory and you charge it to the job. Well, it's not an expense that you charge to the job while you own it. It's an asset. Right. Right. So it's really hard to keep track of inventory. It's really hard. And so I don't. I don't even get mad at people. And if you don't care about managing your business according to the number, you don't care. You should, but you, should. you don't. So matching, being current matching problems and um what's the last one oh uh cash basis basis, yeah Uh, cash basis books are really a check register right nothing goes in your books until it until somebody's been paid either you paid somebody or somebody paid you well your books are going to be completely off right from a managerial perspective if you keep books on the cash basis why because that $100,000 job that you invoiced but haven't been paid for is not there. Right. Because you don't record it till you get paid. Exactly. The bill that you owe to your supplier for 50000 is not there because you haven't paid it. And then maybe you get paid before you pay your supplier. So all of a sudden you made a whoop-de-doo profit again. Yeah. Oh, but then you, you pay the... And so that stuff's going on all the time. There's a mix of overpayments and underpayments and or under-recording, you don't, You don't. what I tell people, most of the people that I look at their books do not know if they made money last month. Yeah. They don't know. Kind of got a guess, got some really big positive numbers, you go, well, we back everything out. You probably did. Or if, what I really hate, and I see it all the time, is somebody's got a loss, and we're going, yeah, but have you invoiced? Yeah, I got this, this, and this invoice, and, I said, yeah, but you had paid off. All- no, and so we're sitting there with a pencil on the side trying to adjust what I'm looking at to reality. And we always forget stuff. Yeah. Always. And I said, well, if we find enough, I guess you could have made money. It's <laughs> conceivable. Yeah. And, and it drives me out of my mind. You have to. Well,. You have to know if you're making money.
0: And I think a big bottleneck here for people, and this is just an observation over the years, is that they do have that CPA that they've maybe they have a relationship with or they've just trusted for years, and that CPA is unwilling to change some things to make sure that they are right.
1: I don't even want to indict. I mean, you're making exactly a great point. I don't even want to say they're unwilling. Like, I'm not going to do that, you jerk. They are tax accountants, and they do taxes.
0: Yeah, and th- this isn't—they're not working on the financial statements right. piece of it. They're working on the tax piece of it.
1: Right, and they're rare, rare, rare accountants who do what I call managerial accounting. Right, who pay attention to this for your taxes to be correct. I mean, they got to know your tax law, and depreciation stuff. You just got to have the top line and all the expenses, and there's the bottom line. Right, that's—I don't want to say that's worthless, but it's for managerial purposes. It is. Yeah. And you're also going to get it in September of the following year.
0: Yeah. But I, I think that's a, a sign is like, hey, if they're not willing to do this, it's not, I mean, maybe keep using them for taxes. A lot of managerial accountants won't do taxes for you. Right. Keep them for taxes, but don't keep of them course. for your bookkeeping. Of course. Don't keep them for your, your management of your books. Right. And go find somebody that's different. And that may mean I've got another expense because I've got to pay my tax accountant still. And now I've got to pay a true managerial accountant. But it's totally worth doing that. Another thing is, and I I've probably see more of this than you, but so many people are on QuickBooks desktop, and that's fine. But if you really want to make the matching process more simple for you, you can integrate it into your tech stack. What I mean by that is the software that you use to do sales, to do invoicing maybe you are using quickbooks but you can do that through quickbooks online much better it's a i think it's going to be a long-term better product even though it's a different system than quickbooks desktop they're not identical if your accountant's unwilling to move to that it's a sign to me that they're not moving forward in the future because quickbooks online is where it's going to be Intuit has already said they're not making updates to the desktop this is a really specific thing but quickbooks online can help you integrate into your tech stock and tech stack and make this a simpler process for you also
1: lets you work with a remote uh yeah account so exactly you don't have to necessarily hire a fifty thousand dollar a year position exactly to can, uh, work with people uh one thing we're getting close to uh being an hour here yeah we can stop yeah soon. and i've got a client walking in uh, in 10 minutes but you don't want your client on this things, podcast Well, she's really nice, but she'll come in and slam her books down and it'll ruin the whole recording. No, she she would never do that. But things to track, things to look at, right, is I think everybody should know their margins. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gross profit as a percentage of sales. A lot of things to do to get that right, but you have to know what your gross profit margins and manage your business accordingly. Right,
0: and know your margins because you see them on your books, not because right. I put that on the job.
1: I know what I thought I did, but this is what I actually did. Right, they should know their break-even sales. At that margin, they know how much they have to sell to break even. Yeah, they have to know how much they have to sell to break even, and pay their debt service. Yeah, have to know how much you have to sell to break even, pay my debt service, and generate a profit on top of that. Right, right, um, and other things on the cash side. They need to know what's called DSO, Day Sales Outstanding, which is how long it takes you to collect your accounts receivable. Right. That's a metric you should know every month. Um, we're not telling you how to calculate that here. Reach out to us. It's really not that hard, yeah. but it's something you need to understand. You need to know your inventory turns. And one, one of the benefits of, of tracking your inventory turns is once you start paying attention, it'll get better Yeah. because you will be outraged. You you were what, right? And uh, the uh, the last thing you need to know is to understand your draws. And maybe we might. I'll listen to the one we did on statement of cash flows before. Yeah. And we might do another one. It's among the most useful financial statements. And most of the people I work with have never even heard of it. But it tells you exactly where every penny of your cash went. Yeah and you don't really need to even understand the statement to use it you can just look for certain things sure. but the thing that's easy to look for is how much did i take out in draws right or now, how much did i put in sure sure so well anyway, so, those, so much those that, those that we've gone through measure.
0: so many things that we've gone through today but i hope that listeners have even a different perspective on how to view the financials in their business rather than doing you know, bank balance management, or being on this roller coaster, uh, you know, machine of just profits and and having huge profits one month and you know huge losses the next month. This is the way that you can get out of that. The cycle of business is something that, honestly, if I were you, I would print out. We have a graphic, Lauren. Another thing that you can put in the show notes that you can print out and just put on your wall so that you never forget that you should not be focusing on sales, but you should be focusing on turning cash into no more worries. cash. Um, really appreciate everybody listening and uh, we'll have if you have questions, I know there's there there if there's not questions, then you're just not reaching out to us. <laughs> and that's okay if you don't want to <laughs> or you reach don't out. care. You're, yeah.
1: You got a lot of money in your bank balance today, so I'm not worried
0: about it. Exactly. But please reach out to us and let us know the gaps that you are having inside of understanding this topic for your business specifically. It would make for great content for other listeners and we know that a lot of people are dealing with the same things, right? So we'd love to hear those questions. And yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. You later. Hey cash flow contractors, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you found value and that you're seeing the, the differences in the finance of your business after listening to this episode. And maybe you're gonna be running to your accountant after this to figure out if your books are right. Uh but yeah, thank you so much for listening. If you don't mind sharing this episode with your colleagues, your peers, anybody in the industry that you think will find value from it, also go like, subscribe, follow to us on all of our social accounts. And please, please, please give us a five-star review on both Spotify and Apple. It means the world to us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.